Come on, think about that and let that flow out of your spirit. Express your love to him. Jesus, I love you. Come on, what does an expression of your love sound like? What does an expression of your love look like? In the name of Jesus. Come on, we love him because he first loved us. We know what his expression of love looked like. It looked like a cross. It looked like some suffering. It looked like the pain of a price on our behalf. We love him because he loved us. Jesus, even when I was unlovable, you love still. I worship you this morning. Thank you for your love that is unconditional, unwavering, everlasting. Jesus, I worship you this morning. We worship you together, Lord. We thank you for the privilege of praise and worship. We lift up your name this morning. We magnify you, O God. We give you praise and glory and honor. Thank you for the richness of your spirit ministering to our hearts today. Thank you, Lord, for the richness of your spirit here. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Aren't you thankful for air conditioning? It works today. Praise God. Amen. If you walked in and you said, man, it's cold in here, smack yourself on the hand and say, I'm not complaining. Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated this morning. Amen. Amen. I want us to pray together. If you I know I just had you be seated, but if you feel more effective standing together in prayer, you can do that, sit, stand, whatever. Um, you often know that um, in life church, in the different congregations, there's a lot of coming and going, right? Some more than others, but there's coming and going that takes place, and that coming and go. I'm, I don't mean like everybody taking vacations all at the same time, there's coming and going in ministry, different places, different locales, different individuals. That's God-ordained. And uh, Brother Curtis Johnstone in Union Gap had asked Bishop if he would be with them and minister there today. And so we want to remember him. I believe the Lord's going to use him. And then Bishop asked if Brother and Sister Flowers would accompany him there today. And I believe the Lord's going to use them while they're there. And so it's important that we cover them in prayer. Amen. When we send part of the body out, we read in the scripture, the book of Acts about Antioch being a place where they went out from and came back and went out and came back. And so it's, I think it's also important as a body that we understand, okay, they're out, but this, they're out and we want to be a covering and a support to them in prayer. Amen. So could we agree together in prayer? For the Lord to use them, I'd say they're probably somewhere along the way in the service like we are right now. But can we agree together for the ministry of the Spirit of God in, with, and through them right now? Let's do that. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, you said if two or three would agree touching any one thing in your name, we would have that which we ask. We agree together right now for your anointing for your ministry, for the flow of your spirit upon our bishop, upon elder and sister flowers this morning. 
I pray the working of your word, spirit, and will in, with, and through them. I pray the kingdom authority of God there in that service in Union Gap, ministering to hearts and lives. Let strongholds be broken, Father. Let paradigms be torn down. Let the divine work and will of God be fulfilled through those men and that lady of God today. Let your work be accomplished. We agree with them for what you will do and how you will do it, Lord. We trust in you and the sovereign working of your spirit. In the name of Jesus, we bind every distraction. We pray a full flow of liberty in the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, let your word go forth and be confirmed with signs following. In Jesus' name, we pray. In Jesus' name, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The timing of the Lord is perfect. Amen. Remember, Brother Rosario and Sister Priscilla Santos, they flew out right around midnight last night, this morning, whatever that is. And uh, I was in communication with them this morning, and they have safely arrived in St. Louis, and they will be there throughout this week. Uh, some of you may or may not be aware, uh, Sister Priscilla Santos is teaching at Davis High School. And so she saw an opportunity to, through the school and through things the Lord has put in her heart, it uh, made sense to maybe pursue a master's degree. Uh, she already has a degree, but she saw an opportunity to perhaps pursue a master's degree, and it will affect things in her teaching career and however the Lord chooses to direct that. But uh, in looking, she thought, well, if I'm going to pursue a master's degree, I want to pursue it in something that would benefit the kingdom of God. And so she visited with us. And, and so the last month and a half, two months or so, she started at the beginning of the school year. And she is attending Urshan Graduate School of Theology uh, online and pursuing a master's degree in theology through Urshan Graduate School of Theology uh, there in St. Louis. For those of you that do not know, that is a... Uh, that comes under the covering of the United Pentecostal Church. And so we know that they are teaching the truth of the mighty God in Christ Jesus. And so we have a confidence in the things she's learning. And, but they require her to come back and be there for one week in class on location. And so she is there. And uh, I don't know if Brother Zario couldn't survive without her or she couldn't survive without him. But they, uh, no, they agreed to travel together. And uh, it's good for a husband and wife to travel together when they can do that. It's not always possible, but it's a good thing. And so they're there in St. Louis this week. I asked Brother Zario, what are you going to do all week? You're not in class. He said, man, I'm going to hang out in that library. I want to see all those books, see how many I can read while I'm there. And so uh, anyway, remember them. They'll be back next Saturday. And... Uh, thankful for the Lord using them. Amen. Praise God. You should be concerned when you don't see somebody here that you usually see here. Now, I didn't say you should be judgmental. You should be concerned. Reach out. What's going on? And we want to let you know when people aren't here, why they're not, if we can. Praise the Lord. 
Would you go with me to the book of Romans? Praise God. We are thankful to have Sister Schoonover with us today. We'll share Bishop and hold on to her. How's that? Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 4. I did not say that. We'll go there in a minute. Let's start with Romans 12. You guys are like, what in the world? You were listening. That's good. I saw heads perk up. And so. On Wednesday night, If you weren't here, I'll give you a little two-minute overview. Uh, on Wednesday night, uh, myself, Brother Joel, and Elder Flowers all ministered, one right after the other, and the Lord kept talking to us, and I was visiting with the Flowers for a little while after service, and I were just talking about different things the Lord had been dealing with our hearts about, things that were quickened in our spirit just throughout that service. We'll compare, I don't know if it's called comparing notes, but that's the example. We were sort of comparing thoughts and things we were feeling in the Holy Ghost there after service he and I were visiting. And and I'd shared with him when he had made one statement, and I don't remember the exact word, specific words of the statement right now, but he had shared a, made a statement about quitting When he made that statement in the ministry, he was talking about the peace of God, but talking about things that we would weigh. And he made that statement about quitting. When he did, it quickened in my spirit. And uh, so he and I were visiting about that and talking about that a little bit. And it hasn't left me. The Lord has continued to talk to me about some of those things. Um. Uh, and I feel like the Lord would like to talk to us today a little more. And so Romans chapter 12 almost took you to 2 Corinthians again. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. And let me give you a... Uh, you're turning there. You can hold your hand right there. How many of you read Romans chapter... or? Go to Hebrews 12. That's what happens when you don't have notes. Hebrews 12. I said Romans 12. Hebrews 12. How many of you read Hebrews 11 before? Raise your hand if you remember reading Hebrews 11. Maybe you think so. You're not sure. You probably have or you've heard somebody talk about it. Hebrews 11 is known as the faith chapter or heroes of the faith. Right? Right? Hebrews 11 starts out, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And as you begin reading through Hebrews 11, it tells us all these stories of all of these men and women of God that have gone before, that have walked by faith. Names like Abraham and Moses and Noah and names that maybe aren't quite as common, but Names like Jephthah and Gideon and Samson and 
We read these names of these, and some it names, but it just calls them they. It doesn't even give us their specific name, but it, it lets us know that they have walked this walk for God by faith. You read through those stories, you realize if you take the time to not just rush through reading, but if you begin to reflect on some of those names and some of the examples that the writer of Hebrews gives us, you realize it's more than just a one or two verse life story. You're getting a quick hit so that it can be drawn back to memory. But the reality is those one or two verses are just a quick view of what faith did And if you go back to the Old Testament and read the story, you understand they were as human as you and I. They were flesh and blood just like us. They walked their road the way you and I have to walk our road. And they dealt with things, maybe not the same things, but they dealt with things just like you and I. I've got to believe, I've I've just got to believe that Abraham wrestled as a father praying over his two boys wouldn't you think so he was a man of prayer he knew what that was he was we don't always think of abraham being much like us but he was like us he he had children ultimately it took a while but he did have children he was as human as us he prayed about those kids and we read about noah noah building an ark you think noah prayed about his kids Man, if he didn't get anybody else on the ark, he got his kids on the ark. He was praying about them. And so these men, those are, I don't know why I use kids as an example. Maybe that ministers to somebody's heart to keep praying. But the Lord lets us see these examples in Hebrews 11 of people that were like us. Human beings, flesh and blood. They had to worry about how they were going to eat tomorrow. A little different than us. They didn't run down to Fred Meyer or Safeway or Walmart. They had to go out in the woods and hope they caught something or killed something, or right? But the TJ might have made it back then in that day. He'd have enjoyed that. Sister Jessica, maybe not so much, but right? They they had to be hunters and gatherers. They had to, but they, they still had to give consideration to how do we eat? How do we put food on our table? They had to give consideration to what clothes do we wear? They they were human beings like you and I. And, you know, life hasn't changed a whole lot to basic needs through thousands of years. These men and women were men and women like you and I. Oh, sure, they had different struggles. Sure, they had different things that they worried about. But I bet you there were people that didn't like them and people they didn't like. And they had to deal with this issue of so-and-so said and she I mean, sure, they didn't have Facebook and Twitter and all that extra stuff. But they still had to deal with that. They were human Like you and I. Sometimes we read this book and we take the human element out of it. It was written for us. They were given to us, the scripture says, for examples to us. To understand that other people walked by faith through human life and circumstances. And they didn't make it by their own ability. They made it by walking by faith. They made it from a relationship with God that allowed them and enabled them to walk where they couldn't have walked in their own ability. 
Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac. Take him up to a place that I'll show you. Lay him on an altar and sacrifice him. He wasn't able to do that in his own ability. The scripture tells us he was able to do that by faith. Faith in what he could do? Oh no. Faith in a God that if he killed his son, God was able to raise him back up again. Because God had already given him a promise about that boy. Faith. Not a confidence in his human ability. Not a confidence in what he'd done or hadn't done. But faith in God. Hebrews 11 is a chapter of faith. You know that chapter, don't you? All of that is written about all of those men, those women, those heroes. And the scripture even tells us some of them were sawn asunder. They were devoured or eaten by lions. Why? Because they chose to walk by faith rather than fulfill the will of their humanity. Faith. I mean, I love it when faith has a beautiful, pretty bow right at the end. But sometimes faith has other elements in it that says, you know, it doesn't mean life's perfect, but I'm walking by faith and not by sight. Why is this so important? Well, Hebrews 11 and 6 tells us without faith, it is impossible to please God. You want to wear yourself out? I'm really trying to get to Hebrews 12 here. You want to wear yourself out? Try to please God in your humanity. Try to do all the stuff you can do in your humanity to please God. You and I will wear ourselves out. We have to do it by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It doesn't say without faith, you'll only please God part of the time. It says without faith, it's impossible. Why do you think that Satan would use circumstances of life? What is he trying to steal from you? He's trying to steal your faith. Because if his circumstances, if trials, tests, problems, and trouble can cause me to begin to relinquish my faith, then it becomes this vicious cycle in my life because I begin relinquishing faith and then I can no longer please God. You want to make Satan mad? Even when circumstances are against you, just keep walking by faith. It may not be going like I think, but God is still in control and God is able. Speak words of faith. So all this happens, Hebrews 11. Faith, these men and women of faith, walking by faith, these examples of faith. And then we... Continue if, if there were no chapter numbers there for our searching. But if the story, the book of Hebrews just keeps reading as it would as one book. The writer continues in chapter 12 with verse 1 after giving us all of those examples of these men and women walking by faith. And he says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about or surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us, everybody say, that means me. Say that again. That means me. I'm looking at you young people. I like having all these young people in here. Let us, that means me. 
Let us, what are we supposed to do? What's the first thing we're supposed to do? Lay aside every weight. And what else are we supposed to lay aside? The sin, which, what does it do? What does weight and sin do to us? It besets us. It besets us. What, is to, what does it mean to be? Bleh, try to say that. What does it mean to be beset? I have to slow down to say that, Sister Julie. I get tongue twisted. What does it mean to be beset? Now, keep the context in mind here. The writer has given us all of these examples of faith. Human beings that walked and overcame by faith. Mind you, not a one of them was filled with the baptism of the gift of the Holy Ghost. We have something they did not have. They had faith. And so he's encouraging us. He's giving us their examples, but he shifts from them to us. Let us lay aside the weight and the sin which does so easily beset. We're going to talk about what it means to be beset. And let us, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to run. How are we supposed to run? With patience. We're supposed to run with patience. What are we supposed to run? The race. Which race? Ah. The one that is set before us. You mean I'm not supposed to run Brother TJ's race? He's not supposed to run my race? Is it possible that Brother Reuben's race and my race can look different? I'm not talking about multiple paths to get to God. Don't misinterpret today. There's only one way. But I'm talking about a race that we run. It's called life, you know. And we read those Examples in Hebrews 11, they didn't all run the same race, did they? But they all ran by faith. Faith. And so we've made this shift where the writer is telling us, considering all these that have gone before us and how faith enabled them to overcome and enabled them to walk where they couldn't have walked otherwise, because we have these examples, we have a responsibility. What is our responsibility? Our responsibility is first, let's lay aside any weight and any sin that could easily beset us. And then we have to run with patience the race, our race, my race. You have to run your race. You know what's bad? Is when I start looking at Brother Martin's race... And I'm looking at my race, and I'm at a different place in my race than he is in his race. And where he is in his race looks a whole lot better than where I am in my race. And God, I don't understand. How come his race is so beautiful? And my race is, I mean, he's running on a flat track with the nice cloud cover and 55 degrees and good stride. I'm on one of those wild and crazy obstacle courses with mud and rocks and walls to climb. And it's 110 degrees and 95% humidity. And I got no water and I'm drained. Let's trade races. 
What's going on there? Could it be, in that silly example, that perhaps the Lord knows right now, in Brother Martin, he needs to feel what it is to have all that, all that peace and all of that, whatever it goes with that running on a flat track and cool breezes and smooth stride. And he's saying, hey, you and your race... I'm trying to build some things in you that if you were running like that on a flat track with a cool breeze and smooth stride, there's some muscles that would never be developed spiritually. There's some things in your life that would never be developed or worked out. There's some things you got that I just got to work out. And so this is why this is your part of the race right now. It's why your race looks that way. It's a bad thing when I start comparing races. We're all called to run the race that is set before us. The scripture where it says, back to being beset. Where the scripture says, let us lay aside the weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. It besets us from the race. That's the context in which the writer is speaking to us. He's saying those things get us off track from the race we've been called to run, the race that God has put us on, this journey and plan, design that God has for our life. If we don't lay aside weight and sin, if we carry those things, if we hold on, sin is sin. You understand? Sin is sin. Sin will curse us to hell. Sin is sin. Weight is not necessarily sin. But weight still besets us from the race. You say, well, thank God I'm covered, I'm washed, I'm free from sin. I know I'm living free from sin. But are you running free from weight? If I'm not running free from weight, the weight can beset me from the race just as well as sin. I've got a race to... You ever, you ever watch, anybody ever watch them running in the Olympics? Raise your hand if you ever watched some, just so I know that you're with me. Yeah, yeah. Seen a clip of somebody running in the Olympics or something like that? You ever seen them running with a big heavy sweatsuit, hiking boots, backpack, ball cap? No. Matter of fact, there's been, I've seen a race or two before. I'm like, they probably should put more on, right? They try to take off as much as they could. What are they doing? They trying to show off their physique? No, no, no. They're trying to get rid of every advantage they can for the race. And they understand they gain great advantage in the race if they'll not have any additional weight. And so they lay it off. Oh, yeah, they may be out there warming up with that hoodie on. But before the race starts, they're pulling that off. Why? Because they understand. Well, it may just be a three-ounce hoodie, but that three ounces can make all the difference in the race. See, if you're measuring the weight and go, well, I can handle carrying this. It may be small or it may be great, but a weight besets us from the race we're called to run. Well, if I don't carry it, who will? Hmm, that's a great question. 
if you don't carry it, who will? I would expect that if you'll take that weight and just lay it down at the cross, he'll take care of it. I would expect he would carry it. Matter of fact, I think he already carried it. Scripture says something about surely he hath borne. That means carried. Surely he hath borne our griefs. And he has what? Carried our sorrows. See, he's already done that. So if I'm carrying those weights, what I'm doing is I'm saying, Lord, what you died carrying, I'm going to take back from you. And weight besets us. And so what happens here, I, I know what happens. I wish I wasn't speaking from experience, but unfortunately I am. Here's what happens when I carry weight that I'm not meant to carry. I get beset from the race. Oh, I'm not saying I get out of church or I backslide and go back on God. You understand? I just stop running the race I'm called to run effectively. Maybe I could say it this way. You or I get sidetracked from what God has called us to run in. Weights become distractions. They pull us from our element. The element that God has designed. The race that he has set before us. Talk to the Lord with me right now. Come on, talk to him about your race. Would you do that? Come on, it's a race that's set before you. He set it before you. The Lord Jesus Christ knows the race that he has for you. You and I can run it by faith. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Here's what happens if I get too much weight. A sure sign that you're carrying way too much weight. I start entertaining the idea of quitting. I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you to ponder how many of you entertained quitting. Quitting looks different. Quitting doesn't even mean backsliding or leaving God. Quitting says, you know, I think I'm just going to step off the track. I'm just going to sit down over here in the bleachers. I'll watch people run. I'll stay close. I'll still believe the word. I'll still hold on to the truth. But I'm going to quit running the race that was set before me. You see, that's how the enemy starts the conversation. And I'll entertain that. The Lord's reaching for some of you today that maybe have even entertained that thought as recent as just the last few days. I, uh, I asked their permission 
I've, I've known the Rodriguez family for 13 years now. Man, time flies. Almost 13 years. And I've had the privilege of watching them and running with them in this race. True of many of you, a different, just using them as an example this morning. And I, I've watched and witnessed the way the Lord has used them in reaching people and affecting people's lives. I've also watched them get a little beset from the race. And had some one-on-one or one-on-two conversations with them along the way about. There was a season they went. They gave me permission for this. I don't want you to think, man, he sort of. There was a season they went through about a year, year to two years ago. Eight, I don't want to nail it down specifically. Somewhere in that range. Where they were still coming. They were still faithful. They would still lift their hands. They were. But they weren't running the race that was set before them. Because. And I knew that because. I wasn't seeing them reach. The way I'd seen them reach before. I wasn't seeing that flow in their lives that I'd seen before. They hadn't backslid. But I was watching where I'd seen them reaching and the Lord using. And I wasn't seeing that flow there. And I was thinking, what's going on here? It was very clear the Lord uses them in that manner. And so I've been encouraged greatly to watch them these last seven, eight months, nine months. Get back on the track, if I can say it that way. Not that they completely bailed, you understand. And I've watched almost immediately as they said, okay, I'm running the race that's before me. I've watched almost immediately. Sandra's a perfect example of them getting back in the race. Sandra, you might not be here today if they wouldn't have got back in the race. See, you running the race and me running the race that's set before us affects more than just our life. It affects other lives. I've watched what it did with Brother Reuben and him on the job, reaching to someone that you haven't met yet, Jorge and his wife, and now they're in their home in a Bible study because they got back in the race. This is being impactful in people's lives. You understand, if I take myself out, if I quit on the race that is set before me, I'm not just affecting me. Why do you think the writer of Hebrews gave us Hebrews 11 as an example All those that went before us. And he started with seeing we are compassed about with a great great cloud of witnesses. When did their race end? I'll tell you when their race ended. When they died and not before. You and I don't get to sit in the stands according to the word of the Lord until we pass from this life. Then we can join those that have went before in the stands and say, I'm watching, I'm believing in you, I'm rooting for you. But until then, you and I, the Spirit of the Lord is saying, stay in the race that's before you. 
I look across this room, I see call of God on so many of your lives. I've walked you, watched you watch and operate in it. Some of you have stepped back from the race that's set before you because of weight or maybe even because of sin. I'm imploring you in the Holy Ghost, lay it aside, get back in the race that's set before you. 2 Corinthians 4. If you were to see verse 2 that's up there right now in Hebrews 12, if you haven't jumped off of it yet. How, we, how do we run this race? Verse 2 continued in Hebrews 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You know what causes me to get out of the race? Is when I stop looking the right way. I stop looking to Jesus. Look to the left, look to the right. Look to the ground. Instead of looking to him. And then as though Hebrews 11 wasn't enough examples for us when the writer continues and gives us Jesus as the one to look to he also gives us Jesus as the example of running the race that's set before us so he's not just saying look to Jesus so that you're looking where you're running but he's saying look to Jesus as your example of how to run how did he run his race for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross. He understood the race he was running. Had something beyond the suffering that he would endure. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Verse number, let's start with verse number 6. 2 Corinthians 4 and 6. I was trying to get here right at the beginning. It was confusing you guys. I kept saying Romans and 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. We made it. Praise God. If that made you nervous, you said, oh, my goodness, he was trying to start there, and we just now got there. We are in trouble. No, we're rounding up. We're coming around the home stretch. We'll stick with that race analogy. We're almost done. I think the Lord's bringing us in. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. I've never read that that way before. Notice it doesn't say he commanded the light to shine in darkness. He commanded to shine out of darkness. Another thought for another day. He hath shined in. You know what that tells me? I'm getting revelation right now about that verse of scripture. He hath shined in our hearts. Light did not shine into darkness. God already had what was needed in the darkness. He calls the light to shine out of the darkness. That tells me that I don't care how dark the heart is. God can get in there and cause light to shine out of it. And it can drive out the darkness. So he's caused it to shine in our hearts. Why? This is why. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God 
in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7. But we have this treasure. This verse has been getting used a lot the last few weeks. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is that treasure? It's the gift of the Holy Ghost. When we're baptized with the gift, if you read all of 2 Corinthians 4, you'd see that. When we're baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, we are given this treasure, the living God inside of us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We're the earthen vessels, right? Fragile clay pots that break easily, right? We're just the vessel. But he is the treasure. And why would he put this treasure in an earthen vessel that's so fragile, that can break, that is frail, that... Right? You know those little clay terracotta pots or whatever they are, right? Man, if you ever drop one of those, it, it's, it's over. You drop it on plush carpet, I think that thing's going to break. It is fragile. But he put this treasure in us. Why would he put his spirit in such a frail vessel? Well, because then everybody knows, man, you look at that vessel, you know it's frail. Whatever's happening must be what's in it. That's why he did it. So that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. But watch this. So the writer is speaking to us about the light of God shining out of darkness and shining into our hearts. And this treasure of the Spirit of God living in us as frail, fragile, earthen vessels. And we could stop there. But I want us to keep reading the context that he's writing. Verse number 8. We are troubled. Where are we troubled at? On every side. Show of hands, how many of you have ever felt like you were troubled on every side? Come on now. Every side. I don't mean like just one side. I mean every side. You ever felt like you were troubled on every side? Yep. I have a question for you. Were you distressed? Yeah. But look at what the scripture says. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Now, How does that make you feel? We just be honest, have an honest conversation this morning. How does that make you and I feel when I've been troubled on every side and I'm going, you know what, I have been. And guess what? I was distressed too. But the scripture says I'm troubled on every side but not distressed. What's going on here? This is how the enemy works on your mind. See, you already forgot what we were reading about in verse number 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. So I have a question for you. Who is troubled on every side? Who's the writer talking about? Who's we? Yeah, it's us. We, he was talking about these earthen vessels. We, he's still writing in the same context. We, us earthen vessels, you and I, these frail, fragile clay pots that are trying to run a race by faith, but we're troubled on every side at times during the race. He says, why don't you quit? Why don't you give up? Why don't you just go to the sidelines? Why do you keep running the race? I'm, and trouble comes on every side. But we are, it doesn't say we are not distressed, does it? It says, yet not distressed. Now, several of you were really quick to be honest. Thank you. And I, 
We've been troubled on every side in our humanity, and we have been distressed in our humanity. The writer is talking about the vessel and what's in the vessel. The vessel and what's in the vessel. The vessel and what's in the vessel. The vessel may be troubled on every side, but the spirit that's in the vessel, not even distressed. We are perplexed. Oh, the vessel may be perplexed, but the spirit that's in the vessel, not even in despair. Read next verse, verse number nine. Persecuted the vessel, humanity, my, your life. It may be persecuted, but the spirit is never forsaken. Cast down. You and I in our humanity, we may fall, we may falter, we may be cast down. But that spirit says never destroyed, never destroyed, never destroyed. And the writer is drawing this distinction between the vessel and the spirit in the vessel. And when you and I run the race, where does all of our focus go to when things get difficult? The vessel. Doesn't it? The vessel. But we have a treasure. Have a question. Rhetorical for all of us. When I'm going through a rough part of the race. What happens if my shift goes from the vessel to the treasure during those rough parts of the race? What happens if I just purpose, I'm going to run this race, and my focus is always going to be on the treasure rather than the vessel? Then all of a sudden, I find, hey, I can run this race. I'm not running under my own ability. I'm running by the power of His Spirit working in my life. I'm running by the grace of God that enables me to do what I cannot do myself. You look at somebody and you say, How come I keep falling into this trap, but they don't? I'll tell you why they don't. They've determined to run the race by His grace, not in their own ability. The enabling grace of God. Please hear the Lord today. Keep running. Don't quit. Keep running. Don't quit. Keep running. Don't quit. If you've stepped to the sideline... Get back in the race, the race that's set before you. I can't tell you why he chose that one for you and this one for me and this one for Brother Martine and that one for Sister Jester. I don't know why he chose the one he did, but he chose it because he knows us. He knows our frame. He knows who we are. He knows how we're made. And he knows the plans he has for us to bring us to an expected end. You got to run. Run. Stand with me today. The Apostle Paul said in one place, I run. He's talking about fighting and running. One place he said he, he fought, but not as one that just beats against the air. When he talked about running. He said, I'm running with a purpose. I'm not just running for exercise. I do not understand that concept at all. Running for exercise. Somebody I've seen posted... The last few months on Instagram, this little picture that says, I would jog, but Proverbs says, the wicked run when no one is chasing them. So I'm like, praise God, I can lay hold on that word. The wicked run when no one's chasing him. So don't say bad things about a jogger next time you see him. And if you're jogging, doing good things for your health, keep doing that. I'm not knocking that. But uh, 
Paul wasn't running for his health. He was running with purpose. You know, when life, when we get cumbered down with weight and it besets us, we lose sight of God's purpose for our lives. We lose sight of his purpose for our lives. It's what I was referencing earlier with the Rodriguez. They got a little bit beset. And they stopped fulfilling the purpose that God had for their lives. Run the race. Run the race that's set before you. Run it by faith. Don't quit. Come on, would you talk to the Lord with me right now? I want to open this altar and give you a chance to pray. To come and talk to Him. Maybe you've entertained being on the sidelines. Maybe you've entertained just being a spectator but still living for God. And the Lord's saying, come on, I'm asking you to get back in the race. Come on, I can't take away all the struggle along the journey. But it's part of my plan for your life. I know where you are. Come on, He knows exactly where you are. He hasn't forsaken you. Right? The earthen vessel may feel... Like it's been forsaken, but the Spirit hasn't. Come on, won't you find a place and talk to Him this morning. Let His words stir in your heart again. Say, I will not quit. I will not give up. Let the Word of God wash my mind, my heart, and my spirit today. Let the Word of God wash my mind and my heart and my spirit today. Let me lay aside at this altar every weight and every sin that can so easily notice it's not difficult it easily besets me in the name of Jesus by your grace Lord and your enabling power today I lay aside any weight that would beset me from your purpose and calling for my life I lay aside any excuse that I would try to make, Lord. I'll stop looking at someone else's race today, God. Forgive me for even doing so. I set my eyes and my affections on you. You are the author and you are the finisher of my faith. Faith that was born in my spirit was because you authored it there. And the faith that takes me to the end of this race will be because you finished it, Lord. I trust you. I trust you. I pray your strength, your favor, your witness this morning. I'll run the race that's set before me by the strength you give according to the operating of your spirit in, with, and through my life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for knowing where I am in the race. Thank you for giving me grace for the race, Lord. I trust you. Your grace is sufficient. I trust you, the operative word of God and will of God in our lives. I trust your calling upon every life here today. In the name of Jesus, where the enemies tried to beset, I pray by the authority of the name of Jesus, the word of God, the prompting of the spirit of God to step back into what's set before us. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Rebo Korea la basito lo bositaye. 
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. On some, the enemy is deceived and said, no one would ever miss you. That's a lie. That's a lie. You're a needful part of this journey. You're a needful part in the race. No one can take your place. The purpose and calling of God for you is sure and certain. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Sun will shine again, he'll make a way when there is no way. You'll make a way when there is no way. You'll open doors when your path's not sure you'll cause the storm to cease the rain to end the clouds to break sun will shine again he'll make a way when there is no way Sun will shine again, he'll make a way when there is no way. He'll make a way when there is no way. He'll open doors when your path's not sure. Storm to cease, the rain to end, 
the clouds to break, sun will shine again. He'll make a way when there is no way. said we're compassed with a great cloud of witnesses didn't say we're compassed with one witness it's a great cloud that means there's many that means there's many that also means that each one is important each one is critical You're critical. Critical to the kingdom of God. Critical to the... Why do you think the enemy would try to get you to quit if you weren't critical? Why would the enemy even care if you quit? I'll tell you why the enemy cares if you quit. Because you're vital to the kingdom of God. You have the purpose and calling of God on your life. And he sees that even if you don't. So he wants you to quit. Don't quit. Would you lay hold on faith afresh? Where do you find it? Find it in the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Lay hold on the word of God afresh. What he's promised he will do. What he said he will fulfill. You're critical to the kingdom. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. May the Lord bless you. Let me say, I don't, I try not to make a habit of it, but periodically there will be a message along the way that we'll hear that I'll post online and encourage you to go listen. I did that this morning with the message that Bishop ministered in Puyallup last week. Please know that if I do that, I'm not doing that just because, oh, I thought that was neat. I think there would be value in your spirit in hearing the word of the Lord. So can I encourage you, if you haven't seen that post yet on Slack or on Facebook, to go look. If you're not on either of those, let me know and I'll send you a link. But to go and listen to that message with your spirit. Amen. Praise God. God bless you today. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Greet someone. Dismissed.